0: Hey everybody, today's episode is with Brian Hull, and we are talking about routines in PE. Now, obviously, we are a little bit out of routine right now, but it's a great episode, and we actually recorded it a few months ago. We had hoped to release it right before the Shape National Convention, which was scheduled to be in April, because Brian is a Shape National Teacher of the Year. Unfortunately, that conference has been canceled due to obviously everything that's going on, but We still want to feature this really great episode and are excited for you guys all to get a listen. It's going to talk about routines and a lot of great considerations when you do get back to your regular routine, some things that you can apply into your PE classes with Brian. I do also want to make mention, like I've said a few times now, but this was recorded a few months ago and you will notice that I had a bit of a cough, a cold at the time, Totally unrelated to what's going on right now and want everyone to know that all is well at Platform and with its employees. So we'll go ahead and kick this one off. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right. Brian, thank you so much for coming back on. It's a pleasure to have you back with us.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure on my end as well. I'm excited to uh, talk about today's topic.
0: Absolutely. And last time we spent some good time talking about uh, shape standards. Today we're going to be focusing in on routines and everything else like that. Um, When this airs, we'll actually be just a few short weeks out from the Shape National Convention, which is out your way, um, I believe, you know, I know – It's still a ways away from Denver, but are you going to be making your way to Salt Lake City?
1: Yeah, I will be. Um, I'm honored to be one of the 2020 Shape America District Teachers of the Year. So um, I'll be attending every day of the conference and attend the Hall of Fame dinner where each of the national teachers of the year will be announced in each respective group. So I'm really excited to touch base with the other toys and see what they're about and learn from everybody else.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And we will be there as well, including myself. So um, we'll be looking to do some podcasts and different things while we're out there. Maybe we'll get you to, to meet in person and be able to do some stuff while we're all there at the conference.
1: Oh, that'd be excellent.
0: Awesome. Well, we won't spend too much more time talking about that Um, for those PE teachers that will be making their way to shape. You can definitely try to come find Brian, come find us here at Platform myself, Um, but we'll go ahead and jump in. And where we're going to spend some time talking today is a little bit about kind of routines. Um, It's something that you know a lot of people will talk about, the benefits of routines, the benefit of breaking out of certain routines. But in the world of routines and PE, Brian, you kind of found this topic of interest because we haven't spent a lot of time talking about it um, on Chalk Talk, but it's something that you're super mindful of with the group that you work with, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I teach at a school that is um, 99% free and reduced lunch. It's a very diverse school. A lot of the students are highly impacted in terms of some traumatic experiences they've gone through necessarily sometimes they don't have the best support or they don't um think of the best in terms of everything they've got going on in their mind. So I found that routines and physical education sets them up right for success at the start of every class.
0: Yeah and I think that's great because a lot of times and, and I've um, you know, working with a lot of kids myself have found, you know, a lot of times when you just throw something at them for the first time, it, it's kind of like this jarring experience and you don't get as much out of them. And then as you start to establish some of those routines, you get better and you can start to add things and develop new things. But just some of those, those basic routines, as much as we want to throw a million different things onto students and athletes plates, there's definitely some value in keeping some things consistent um, on a daily or weekly basis for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, and a lot of the times some students may push back, but I know deep down even students would admit that they do want structure. They do want organization so that they're set up for success and not just themselves, but their classmates and their peers are going to be set up to succeed in the class as well.
0: Right. And we'll, we'll get into some of the details about the routines that you follow. But what I like about that too is like, you know, I might not like this routine but I see the benefits of having it, or I can start to apply it into other parts of my life where I might not have routine, or I might not be able to follow those different things. And, and, you know, you spent, and your brother um, as well, spent a good amount of last episode when we had you on talking about some of the things that we can foster in PE from the social and emotional side. You did a great job connecting it to the shape standards. And again, go listen to it if you haven't yet, but like, those types of things that you talked about, how we can foster those things in p e and such great opportunities we can do in p e that can start to bleed into just like daily life and, and things that go far past the classroom
1: oh a- absolutely, and that's one of my um, biggest things why'm I'm, I'm always thinking as i'm teaching is yes, this is p e class, yes, I want you to listen to me as the teacher, yes, I want you to follow the rules, but why am I having you do that? And it's kind of what you just mentioned. It's something you can take with them or the students can take with them and apply to their their lives in that maybe they're going to have a boss later on that they may not agree with, but they have the coping skills and the interpersonal skills to deal with it and make the right decisions.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I think that's a great kind of rhyme and reason as to why you do it, how it can kind of help impact um you know future life experiences and and the things that will come down the road so let's now kind of dive into what you're doing in terms of routines um first off for those that might not be familiar with you know kind of the age and experience you're working with um can you just remind the folks that are listening as to are you working with middle school high school students you know what what group are you typically talking about before we dive into what those routines look like
1: Yes, yeah, so out here in Denver, I teach at a really unique school in that it's a sixth through 12th grade school. So, in one day, I'll see anywhere from sixth grade students to 12th grade students. And I really enjoy it because right now I'm about 50% middle school and 50% high school. So, I get to see the best of both worlds.
0: Awesome. And we definitely, you know, as unique as that is, we definitely have a lot of PE teachers that are. Jumping around, even if it's not at the same school, to different schools, teaching different grades, teaching different groups, seems to be kind of the the, the trade, if you will, of, of PE at times of, of being kind of all over the place. So let's jump in then. Um, why don't you break down what you might describe as like a typical routine? It can be for a middle school group, a high school group, but, you know, as they come into your class, what you're doing into kind of that first maybe 15, 20 minutes you had sent me an email with some, some of the details. And if you want to kind of jump into them, describe them to our listeners, that would be great.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm at the forefront of my mind when I created these systems and routines. I have found that my students thrive the most on an environment that is, as I mentioned before, organized and structured, but especially an environment that's predictable. And I don't think it's just the students that I serve. I think any type of student would thrive on an environment where they're able to come in and they know what to expect and no surprises are thrown at them. So the way I like to do it is because I teach secondary, I'm a big fan of my students dressing out. And I would like to say I require my students to dress out, but we're to the point where it's such a daily routine and such a daily habit where students come in don't even think twice about it. They enter the locker rooms while I use my scoreboard timers in the gym to count down. So I give my students about five minutes at the start of class to dress out. And as the time's counting down, as the students exit the locker rooms, obviously the amount of time left on the clock is going to dictate how much time they have left to put on their pedometers and their heart rate monitors that they use every day. But not just that, I have a daily do now where I project all of my lesson plans and as students walk in each day, I have my daily content learning objective posted or the learning target. I know a lot of people go by these terms differently, but the students are, asked to read the daily objective and as part of their daily do now there's question strips that i have laid out on the table and for example one might be read today's objective and explain it in your own words or read today's objective on a scale from one to ten explain to your partner and your teacher how you think you're going to do today and why so just by a simple do now. I've got my students knowing what they're going to learn today and knowing what the purpose of the lesson is. They're already communicating and collaborating with not just their peers, but also as me as their teacher. So I can use this as a pre-assessment to kick off the lesson. And not just that, it also gives me an opportunity to build relationships or kind of check in with some students who for example may not have had the best day yesterday in pe class or just a best day in general so once the students heart rate monitors and pedometers are on and their do now is done i have the students walk the gym until the buzzer has gone off and i do that just so they can kind of get their energy out and get the talking out of their system with their uh, buddies and friends before the buzzer hits and when the buzzer hits the students quickly go to their attendance line so that I could just make sure everybody's ready to start. Um, And then once they're in their lines, I have a different warm-up each day and I also compiled a list of about 50 different warm-ups that my students do throughout the course of the semester so that the students don't get bored in my class but they also you uh the use of the word tedium I'm, I'm big into the word tedium so if i'm doing this same warm up with my students every day eventually even as adults we're going to get bored so the purpose of them sitting down at the start of each class is i let them know what the warm up is i let them know the health and the skill components uh fitness that i would like them to try to work on during the warm up and then i release them so that the maximum movement time is up, uh, happening along with me checking in with students and taking attendance. So, a big part of the routine that I use daily is taking attendance or checking in with students during movement time versus having them sitting down in their spots for.
0: And just for waiting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's great. And I think to pick that apart a little bit, one one part that I noticed that was great um, in what you were describing is kind of putting it into the context of, like, all of the other things that happen. Because I think often there's kind of two two ways that we'll, we'll tend to go in, in classes or in, in workouts. We'll either be in a really big rush to get everyone going and get them right in, get them moving, and just get started, and there's really no time for that, like, self-reflection. <coughs> And then the other side of things, excuse me, it starts to trend towards like, oh, we're going to sit, we're going to talk, we're going to go over things for 15 minutes. So layering in some of those things that you described with kind of those daily check-ins, getting them moving, getting them talking, and kind of balancing those things in the first few minutes, I think is really important.
1: Yeah, and then um, to uh, further add, and then during the warm-up, I will project Uh, two questions they're either like Bloom's taxonomy questions or depth of knowledge questions and instead of students sitting down like we mentioned they are now moving and I will pull out two or three students during the warm-up and have a quick discussion with them as to what their response to the questions are and then they'll go back and join in the warm-up again while I pull out two or three more so that way I'm checking for understanding I'm giving descriptive feedback while the other students are hopefully in their MVPA and target fitness zones so that they're getting the most benefits of the activity and the lesson for the day.
0: Yeah. And you talked, you talked a little bit about trying to balance out like what um, you described as like, you know, routine, but then you also made mention to not wanting it to be so consistent that it became boring or it was the same thing over and over and over again and you may mention that like you were doing some of those basics every single time the clock's on they're coming in people are getting comfortable but then i want to kind of start to go towards what you just described with some of the warm-up um and how you're talking about asking questions and getting them talking and different things like that um how often are you changing those up how often are you changing the warm-up or like getting kids moving or teaching different things like is that a daily thing do you try to get that like let it go for a week. How, how do you balance that in terms of keeping it that structured routine, but also like you mentioned, making sure that we're not like losing them and, and, and making it too boring?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, basically every Monday in my class, I like my students to jog just because jogging is a lifetime skill. Um, but basically every other day after that, I have like I said, a list of about 50 warm-ups I like to go to, and these are all warm-ups that students can use to be self-sufficient. Last year in Tampa at the SHAPE uh, Tampa National Conference, I attended a Mark Fulmer session, and what really resonated with me is when he mentioned the best piece of technology that a PE teacher can have is a projector, and I mentioned that because Most of my warm-ups involve a projector and not just a projector, but I might project six different exercise gifts up there and I will have my students choose maybe three, four or five of the six gifts and they will perform those at their own pace, but they'll also pick the amount of repetitions they want to pick. So just in a simple warm-up I'm now differentiating based on students' fitness levels or even engagement levels. And instead of just giving them one thing, now they have six different exercises.
0: Right. And what's great is you're creating autonomy within each of those kids as well to know like, hey, I can select what I'm most interested in. And the point about the projector is so is so spot on because we hear it all the time in terms of like, you know what, and we've had previous podcast people come on, Michael Graham, other folks, we hear teachers and coaches we work with all the time saying, you know what, by throwing up something on the projector that free also frees me up as a teacher and, or as a coach like you just described, now I can start to make my way around the room. I'm not at the front of the classroom feeling like I have to lead and demonstrate a movement and get kind of stuck at that kind of like presenter role. And rather, I can start to walk around and become a facilitator. I can navigate the the classroom. I can help kids or I can have those conversations with folks that I could probably use, you know, a quick check-in. All of those things start to happen with just kind of that simple implementation of being able to put up some of the basics, videos, GIFs, movements of different warm-ups or techniques from a video perspective that you now as a teacher are freed up to do a lot of other things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like as I'm circulating, uh, just to be more specific, I can now ensure my students are using the correct academic language. I'm giving specific um, academic descriptive feedback. I'm making sure that the rigor is appropriate for all students. And then I also have uh, types of warmups where I, I like to call it disguised fitness where the students are working their butts off and at the end, they don't even realize they were working their butts off because I made the warm-up almost as a game. So one warm-up I got from the national conference was a deal or no deal. And a lot of my students know what that game show is. So as a class, this, um, the students have to pick a case and whatever exercise comes up, the class has to agree or disagree if that's the exercise they would like to do and if it comes up to where they don't want to do that exercise, I, as the teacher, just will hit no deal. And then whatever exercise, whether it's easier or harder, that's the exercise the class is going to do. So they, I kind of try to make it fun as well so students are more engaged cognitively and physically.
0: Yeah, that's great. I like that one a lot. Um, there's definitely some, some good, fun opportunities there. I, I've done something similar with my kids. I did um, basically like a deck of cards. And I said, all right, like I'm going to select, uh, and back to the autonomy thing, I'm going to basically decide what, you know, cards, what one represents, two represents, three represents, four, but, you know, you guys get to decide what eight is, this group gets to decide what nine is, you get to decide what ten is. You kind of know what I'm looking for, and it's got to meet some of the basic requirements of what we're we're asking in terms of, you know, our our, our training, but then we're going to shuffle up the deck and we're going to start flipping cards. Whatever gets drawn, it gets drawn. And to the same point, it's funny, like all of a sudden, you know, we're moving and grooving and this has become like a full workout and what's kind of turned from that fun game of, we know what we're expecting, but at the same time we don't. And it's like that fun balance. So things like deal or no deal deck of cards are all different ways that you can kind of like uh, um, flip that in. Do you have, uh, for our listeners, kind of an example of that deal or no deal that I could link out? Is, or is that something that you have set up? How do, you, how do you get that out to the kids?
1: Yeah, I could actually share the link with you. And that's actually a warm up I got on uh, Becky and Mark Fulmer's website, which is one of the best resources I've ever seen, which they have a lot of examples of uh, projector warmups and activities that you can project for your students
0: very cool yeah i'm sure people listening would love to see that type of stuff that that sounds like a ton of fun and and i always try to kind of link things out so i'll, I'll be sure you send that over to me and, and we'll put that into the podcast
1: okay yeah excellent
0: awesome so from there um you know you've done a really great job we, we've covered a lot in terms of the warm-up and what we're doing from that you know sense of the word starting to you know move kind of further into the class time right um what comes next in your routine, or what what do the students start to sense as you know, after the warm-up, we're gonna really start to dive into. I'll kick it over. Yeah, so
1: end. so after the warm-up, um, in terms of being autonomous, I love my students. I usually have them do four or five dynamic exercises after the warm-up, and then as they're doing that, I'm making sure to hit on how dynamic exercises is better to do after a warm-up because their muscles are warm, their blood flow is circulating throughout their body, and better flexibility, the lesser risk they're going to have of tearing a muscle or pulling a muscle or injuring a muscle. So after the warm-up, that I have them do a dynamic stretch, and then I'll have them sit back down in their spots as they were in the beginning of class. And this is when we get into what the daily objective was and what the purpose of learning is. So as we're going over that I always want my students to realize that yes physical education is supposed to be fun and engaging but it's also an academic class and I feel like I'm not doing my job as their uh, phys ed teacher if they're doing something when they don't know why they're doing it. So I'll always have a student read the daily objective along with the standard. So I am a big fan now of my students not knowing the shape national standards by word, but at least having a general idea of what so we'll go over the objective. And then usually my students will be able to tell me, oh, oh, today's standard one, because we're working on this skill or that skill or or today is standard four Mr. Hold's looking for cooperation communication and supporting one another so we'll always go over the objective go over the why of it and then whatever the lesson is for the day um usually I'll have activities lined up for them to do and I will discuss the daily assessment so if it's a standard one lesson I might for example say Okay, as you're practicing your forehand and backhand skills, I'm going to be going around and making sure you're using the appropriate stroke at the appropriate time. And then as they're practicing, again, I'm able to walk the gym, circulate the gym, and give specific feedback. But it's also a great time for me to differentiate. If I'm seeing a lower level student struggling, I might be able to give them a modification that might make it easier, or to prevent boredom from some students, I might be able to give them an extension so that maybe instead of them picking the stroke, they are now going to a student that I just assigned them and they might be coaching another student so that instead of getting bored, as I said, they are now kind of having to use their critical thinking skills to coach and correct a student.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's great. And, and, you know, the part that I think is super important that you touched on is, you know, the, the idea of putting it in perspective or, or, you know, the idea that we often hear about of like busy work, right? Like, you know, there's always, we always know what busy work looks like or, or feels like, or, you know, is is Mr. Hall just making us do this to do it, but rather like, let's be really clear and deliberate in terms of like drawing This is what we're going to go for today, and this is why we're doing it. And I think that's important, and I think that plays into the routine aspect of it. Even if it's learning something new or it's not the exact same as the day before, like you described, there's still a structure that's being set up within the class that's allowing the students to feel like, all right, this is what's coming next, and I know that it is, regardless of the different things that might kind of start to layer in from it.
1: Yeah, of course, and then because my students are so – Um, it's almost like it's ingrained to them with our daily routines. I love physical education because I truly want every student of mine to get something out of every lesson. And one of the cool things about PE is usually if you're sitting out or if you're not engaged, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb, whereas in other classes in a classroom, you might be sitting at a desk and pretend like you're working but you may not even have one of the 10 problems finished whereas I feel like teaching physical physical education gives you the opportunity to prevent that from happening and maybe getting the student voice in there and maybe you and the student can read the daily objective together and maybe come up with an alternative that one would get that student engaged but two what would make them successful in meeting that objective for the
0: debate? Right, and you have the opportunity, like you mentioned, in PE to kind of be able to identify that pretty quickly. Like, hey, what where, where are, are we missing out on? And, and I think you made a good point of, like, sometimes you'd have to, as a teacher, peer over a piece of paper or see what's going on on an on a, uh, assignment like that to see if someone needs kind of a modification or an extender to kind of keep them engaged or help them Along the way, but what's great is you know you can get eyes on those things pretty quickly for most activities in physical education or fitness or strength and conditioning. you can spot that, you can jump in and, and you can kind of uh, um, attack it right head on
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and I just it's a big gift to be able to see what students are doing versus sitting in a desk and maybe a student zoned out or not really into the lesson for the
0: day absolutely so. Um, I, I think we'll get a little bit into kind of like where everything wraps up, uh, before we do, I'm going to just pause for a quick break. Um, because I think that there's kind of two parts I want to touch on. We've talked a lot about the beginning of class, the routines within it. We're going to kind of probably to wrap up, talk about how we finish up class. And I think it will also start to get to how we start to assess exactly what you talked about in terms of like what people are picking up on any given class and, and that's where we start to trend into grading right and that's where we'll, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of those things where, where you kind of approach that in kind of that daily grade or, or, or ways that you assess that if that sounds good with you Brian
1: oh yeah that sounds excellent
0: all right awesome let me just uh take a quick break and we'll be right back All right, we're jumping back in with Brian Hull. Brian is a teacher in Denver, Colorado. He's been talking to us about routines today. Um, we've been talking a lot about from the second the kids walk in, that they know what they're expecting, into even when we're starting to throw new hitches and new learning techniques or new new things into the, into the routine, there's still some great structure that goes there. And, and Brian, I want to kind of touch on grading and how you approach that with a lot of this. And, and I know we could spend – Um, you know, an entire probably podcast talking about grading. But I will let you kind of just describe how this routine and what you're doing throughout the class fits into kind of that larger grading or assessing that learning that's going on within your classroom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I've really started to reflect on drastically throughout the um, last two or three years. And before I go into that, some of the like asterisks per se that I'm really passionate about on is especially in secondary physical education, I feel like you should never attach a grade or something on a student's grade unless you teach it. so I know a big controversial topic out there these days is grading on dressing out, and unless a t- teacher is physically or literally teaching a student to dress out, which in secondary probably isn't happening. I don't feel like it's really fair or appropriate to grade on dressing out. I know a lot of teachers would argue against that or would say, yes, I agree with what Brian is saying. But that's one of the things I've really cut out of my grading system, along with I'm really passionate about if you give a student a grade on something, make sure they've had ample and plenty of opportunity to practice or rehearse that skill so that they're set up for success Um, come the time of like the observational assessment or written assessment. And then in terms of grading on participation, I know many physical educators do this. And I also grade on it, but I, I try to make sure grading on participation is very objective instead of subjective. So when I grade on participation, I have a very detailed rubric that I go off of, which would let me know what the students, for example, participation grade for a week is. But in terms of the routine, so for example, to keep grading objective and standards based. I always make sure when I grade students, they're always aligned to either a standard or an outcome under that standard. So, for example, I mentioned during the warm-up, I may be pulling students off to the side and questioning them. So, through the pro- I use the program Adakio, which is one of my biggest lifesavers because through this program, I'm able to record really quickly whether the student's response was excellent average or that student kind of needs a better understanding of what the concept is and when I pull these students out I make sure the questions I ask them are aligned to the standards and um, the Colorado standards have what we call the 21st century or inquiry questions and a lot of these questions we'll go over but then I'll assess my students during the warm-ups of the quality response that they give me and then that would be for example their engagement grade for the day versus oh i saw him kicking the soccer ball in the corner he was engaged he got an a yes there is a physical part to it but i i'm really big into the cognitive assessment as well and in terms of that i always give a quiz at the end of each unit to the use of google forms that really hit on the shape standard 2 outcomes of the tactics strategies and principles of yes my students may be able to demonstrate the strategy or the skill to me but can they explain it to me or um show me in another way such as written form or reading form on a google form and then i also grade my students daily on their do nows of restating to me their understanding of the daily objective along with the daily exit ticket which I know in the past you've had some teachers talk about the use of clickers and I use clickers every day as an exit ticket. For one it's a great formative assessment tool but for two it just gives you instantaneous feedback as to Which students understand the topic or the concept or which students might need to reteach the next day to make them understand the topic. And all of the questions I make sure are always standards based, aligned to a standard, or are at least related to a standard that we might hit on the next day or the next week.
0: That's great. And I I think, you know, you touched on a lot there and I want to pick apart a few things before we, we wrap up the episode. Um, You talked about kind of trying to align it with some things that are like you talked about teaching or, 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 um, you know, showing up. And I think there is kind of two sides to the coin. And this is, I always invite people to reach out to us if they have different opinions. I know we have plenty of coaches and teachers that will assess on dressing out or things like that and could maybe even make the case that you know you're teaching showing up prepared or being prepared do you have anything in that kind of line maybe it's not dressing out but it's like that preparedness or like you came to class ready or whatever it may be that you are trying to teach like is, is there anything in that point system that lines up with that I, I'm always just interested to hear the different ways that people try to like balance you know not necessarily grading on some of those things versus trying to make sure that it's still enforced when it when it needs to be yeah absolutely
1: so my school has a grading system where 60 percent of the student's grade is what we call product and 40 percent of a student's grade is called process so the way I assess my students each day for their process grade is they'll get 10 points per class period and the first two will be If they showed up up to class on time, meaning they walked in on time, they exited the locker room with enough time to do the daily do now and to put on their technology devices. So if they did that before the buzzers go off, that's two points. And then their next two points is uh, the do now. So the first two is showing up. The next two is, did they do their daily due now in the questioning with a classmate and the teacher? The uh, fifth and sixth points is attitude. So again, I do assess on attitude, but I make sure I always have a rubric aligned to it. So if there's ever any questioning or gray area, I can always go back to the rubric and let students and parents know what my look for is worth.
0: Right, and I think that is a good point that you you tapped into both, and I, and I think is really important to, to highlight is that like there's a there's a rhyme or reason. It's not like hey, I, I'm doing this subjectively. You're really clearly kind of aligning with what that means, and what I think is great in terms of the different ways that you fill that in is. excuse me, that goes back to the routine, that people do know, like, these are the things that I'm looking for, because we're talking about them in class. They're really important to us. It's something that we're really ingraining within our students. So there isn't that as much of gray area like you described.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I do grade on participation, but it's not from what I'm seeing. It's actually from a rubric I've created, which consists of many components, but like I said, there's a rhyme or reason to it. And if students ever question it, I can go back to the rubric and instead of me being the bad guy, kind of the rubrics, the bad guy, and then you can sit down with the student and come up with goal setting or next steps of what the student can do to uh, get a better grade the next week for participating. But a lot of the times I've seen a lot of teachers and I used to do it myself. But the more I'm getting to know the standards and the more I talk to quality physical education teachers is, yes, you can probably see if a student is participating well, but a good example is if you have a student who's overweight in your class, maybe walking for them, they're in their target fitness zone, whereas an all-state soccer player in your class might be jogging and to them, that's not really participating. They're not really exerting themselves. Whereas the student who is overweight, they're working 10 times harder than the athlete. So, if it, without the rubric or without the use of some technolo- technology tools, I might think the overweight student <clears throat> just isn't trying in my class for the day. Whereas physiologically, they are really trying the best they can.
0: Yeah. And, and we use that example all the time because a lot of times, and we've trended a, a, away from it as I think a society in a lot of ways, but you know, n- neither here nor there, is that like we, we try to avoid assessing on like, you know, a lot of times like the presidential tests and all this other stuff would put you in like a metric if you were 20%, 30%, 40%. But what we always talk about internally and on other podcasts is if that person you just described could only walk a mile, or walk for whatever, and then their improvement shows that they've gotten themselves down to being able to jog or be able to move and their time comes down, then that's improvement to them. And that should be celebrated, not how they stack up against some other random kid that started in a different place and ended up in a different place. And I like that. And what you've just described, because not everyone has your rubric in front of you is that kind of 10 point daily assessment. That's part of the process. And we don't have enough time to really dive it, (coughs) excuse me, to the product, but there's tons of ways that you have reflections and different things that we haven't even gotten to that fit more of that 60% product, right?
1: Yeah, of course. And I know we're running out of time, but like, for example, one of the product grades I give my students is um, Shape America claims that grading on fitness testing is an inappropriate practice, which there's a lot of gray area there. And I would definitely agree it is inappropriate. So instead of grading on their fitness test scores and fitness testing, I have my students perform fitness testing. But then after the fitness testing, they're using their scores to create a personal fitness plan and coming up with some smart goals they can do to hopefully achieve their goals for the next round of Physical assessments we do. So instead of me giving a student a grade on their fitness test, I'm basically assessing them on the process of how can I get better and what can I do to reach my SMART goal, which is a a big thing related to the standard three of Shape America.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And 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 like for example, something that we would encourage or say might be a good idea is like a lot of times it's like what you just described of goal setting or, or making kind of a plan is like you know we're not testing whether or not you can run X time or do Y amount of this or lift this amount of weight, but rather like here's what you started at. Now, what's the plan to be able to improve those things, or what? are you mindful of so that you can kind of know what those numbers mean and what they could possibly become if you did, you know, this type of training or this type of work or this type of uh, process, which I think is a great way that you just described it and, and certainly aligns up with that shape type of standards as well. So, um, I think that's a great place to wrap up. I will just kind of finish with where I said we would kind of go. We, we spent a great amount of the time talking about your routine, talking about why it's important, looking at the different ways that you layer that into the beginning of class, the middle of class. You talked about those exit activities and, and how it starts to layer into some of those grading to make sure that, you know, we're keeping on top of kind of that daily routine and, and checking in throughout the, the week and throughout the semester, Um, anything else that would be helpful for the listeners at home to know or kind of wrap their heads around as they think about maybe putting some of these things into their own class or think about, you know, what am I doing in terms of my grading process or, or, you know, just the smallest little thing that we didn't get to touch on quite yet.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the last thing I would like to mention is grading on the standards can be really difficult, really overwhelming, really stressful. And like three years ago, I was not using the same practices as I am now grading. So I guess my recommendation would be, if you're not really grading standards based or using the standards to assess and grade students, maybe pick two or three grade level outcomes underneath each standard and try to come up with an assessment that would make sense, not just for you, but for the students you serve. Um, I'm sure a lot of the assessments I use at my school may not work at another school, but I usually feel really good about myself when I'm assessing on the standards, but I'm also seeing my students meet the outcomes and showing me great growth and great data within the standards-based assessments. So, I mean, ultimately, to, to try to better your practice, come up with maybe one or two assessments underneath each standard and see how they work out. And if they fail, that's okay. Just... Um, try to come up with a plan B if they work out really well. Maybe the next semester or the next school year, maybe come up with two more assessments you can use to assess your students underneath each standard.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a great place to wrap up as you've just perfectly described is that like a lot of this can become daunting or where do I start or where do I begin? And to your point, it all becomes the framework, right? Like here's a great framework to exist within, but each school – is going to be a little bit different. You know, you might have a different group of kids. You might have a larger group, a smaller group, uh, a group more mature, a group you know, all the different things that have gone through more trauma. In your examples, you know, everybody's going to have a little bit different things. But there's some frameworks out there, be it at shape, at platform, at all of those different kind of apps or things that you like to use as well, that you can sort of use as that structure or that model to then start to kind of adapt and fit what's going to work for you. And I think what you did a really good job describing is much like the routines we're asking our students to get into, we've kind of come full circle into talking about the routines that we can try to get into as teachers and coaches in the classroom as we start to try to shift into some of those standards-based or fitness-based model, or like you mentioned, even start to possibly explore some different ways that we're thinking about assessing past some of the more traditional ways that we talked about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yeah, you just hit that perfectly.
0: Ah. Well, excellent. Well, we make a good team, Brian, that is for sure. Um, and, and some good, good back and forth here on our second time you've been on the podcast. Um, like I always say, this is an open conversation. Um, Brian has presented some really great points, some really great ways to think about routines and grading and assessment. And, you know, like you mentioned, Brian, at the, the front end or in the middle of the episode, some, uh, you know, uh, controversy or, or some strong opinions about grading on dressing out what we welcome here at platform is that open conversation. If you have a different thought or a different belief, or you think it should be done a different way, you know, uh, we're always open to conversation and and having that with coaches and teachers on the podcast, off air, on air, whatever you want to do, you name it. And, you know, Brian, hopefully we'll, we'll have a few more, um, you know, come, come to shape clinic when we finally get to meet in person. Yeah,
1: that'd be great. I appreciate your time. And uh, if viewers ever want to reach out to me for questions or some of the resources I explained, they can definitely do that. Uh, my Twitter is Brian Hull12, or you can email me at Brian underscore Hull H-U-L-L at
0: DPSK12.org. Perfect. And I will be sure to put both your Twitter handle, your email, and a few of the resources that we made mention to, like um uh what was the one? Oh, the uh, deal or no deal deal or no deal. I was going to say who wants to be a millionaire, but that's a different game show from, from uh, my, my childhood. So um, we'll put all of those different things in the blog itself. You can find all that at platform.com. Brian, thanks so much again for joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, Doug. Absolutely. And thanks for everybody for listening and remember at platform, it's always in pursuit of better.